Hi, everyone, and welcome to our 18th show. I'm Dana. And I'm Jim. Today, we have a very special guest, our friend Sophia Barbaresco from Industrial Arts. We'll be talking about her brewery, where she's from, everything she wants us to know about. But first, beer. So, for our first beer for today's episode, uh, actually, I'm, I'm really excited about this because we are actually on location at Industrial Arts Brewing which is in Garnerville, New York. We are on West Railroad Road, or Avenue. just West Railroad Avenue. That's where we are. Don't ask okay. me, ask Sophia. <laughs> and um, this is one of my favorite breweries on planet Earth, so we are so wow. excited to be here uh, and sharing this moment with Sophia, who we've known for how many years now? I don't know. So I we went to... We'll get to this, but Sophia used to work for Broken Bow. Yes. And we went there one day because you were selling them their... Some apparel. Yeah. Yes. T-shirts and So we went in just to see how they were liking the clothes, and we met Sophia, and she was bartending. We sat down, started drinking, and... And we're going to dive deeper into um, this beer romance and our relationship (laughs) with Sophia. But But let us officially say thank you, Sophia, for being on the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I was super flattered that you asked. Now, I usually do the beer profiles, but since we are in your domain, uh, if you could do the profile on Tools of the Trade for us, we would be very grateful. Sure, absolutely. So Tools of the Trade, it's an extra pale ale. Um, When we first opened the brewery, this was kind of the manifestation of Jeff's vision of what he wanted to make as a brewer. He's been in the brewing industry for about 20 years now, and Tools is kind of the culmination of all of his experience and all of his learning. This was the beer that he was making for brewers, basically. It was the beer that he wanted to drink at the end of the day and that his fellow industry people wanted to drink at the end of the day. He is known basically for bringing West Coast style IPAs to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So he started off his career in in the Bay Area and gained a lot of knowledge making West Coast IPAs out there when that was first starting to come about. And then he came back to the East Coast because his wife was doing her PhD at Cornell. Wow. And that's when he started at at Ithaca Beer Co. Mm -hmm. And he developed Flower Power there, and that's... Which was one of my favorite IPAs. When I worked for Manhattan Beer, we used to sell Flower Power. You've had Flower Power. Did you know that going into this? Yeah. Oh. It's delicious. Okay, so that's yeah. news to me. Yeah. But it makes it. complete sense, because yeah. Dana's loved that beer yeah. for so yeah. long. Yeah, Didn't mean to interrupt. Wow. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so that was, um, that was kind of his, his mark on the industry on the East Coast, mm-hmm. was bringing like big, bold, flavorful IPAs to the East Coast and developing that market here where there was like a lot of potential. You know, like the IPAs, at the time I've heard, you know, it's a little before my time, but yeah. they, they were just like these like caramelly, yeah. like piney, yeah. kind yeah. of like cough medicine. Yeah, like you, you know. couldn't enjoy, like if you're having it with a meal, the meal tastes like a pine cone. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. it. Like a, like a sweet, like yeah. caramel covered yeah. pine cone. Yeah, can pair like, with anything. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um... So Flower Power was, like, one of the first beers to kind of change that. But anyway, back to Tools of the Trade, the beer that we're <laughs> drinking. Um, so so the, the idea behind Tools of the Trade is to make something that is really easy drinking, something that you drink after a day of physical labor mm-hmm. or using your brain a lot and, like, figuring out logistics and stuff. Like, it's light in ABV. It's only 4.9%, um, but it still has, like, big hop aromatics. And the system that, that Jeff designed for the brewery, we have a BrowCon brew house. And it is, there were a lot of individual, individualizations that were designed to make exactly this beer. Mm-hmm. So we have a cooling mechanism that will lower the, the temperature of the wort uh-huh. to a specific temperature so that we can put some late edition hops into it. Okay. Um, we have a hop back. We have a few other little things that are basically created to make this beer that is really balanced, really easy to drink, full of hop character. Um, the type of hop character, it is definitely citrus mm-hmm. 
focused, like a lot of grapefruit rind. It has some, um, let me take a sip to remember <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we always do that, yeah. It's constantly. delicious though. So um, one thing that you said um, reminds me like IPAs back in the day. It mm-hmm. is, what is it, 4.9% you said? Yeah. Any beer that was 4.9 wasn't hoppy at all. Like it didn't have this like great flavor to it, like this great balance, just so much like layers of flavor to it. This wasn't a thing. Like if you had an IPA that was 4.9, it was like, ah, I'm tasting water. Mm-hmm. It was like a glorified Coors Light with like a little hot character to it. Yeah. So this is amazing. Like you said, this is great for the end of the day because it's not high in alcohol. You can have a few of them just to like relax, like decompress and the flavor is there. It's delicious. Exactly. And that was a lot of like the, the technology that our brew house offers and also like the experience that the brewers have. Um, our brewmaster, Mike, he was at Brewery Omegang for 10 years and he was the innovation manager there. Mm-hmm. So Omegang used to do a lot of Belgian beers. I mean, mm-hmm. they still do a lot yeah. of Belgian beers. Um, but Mike was also instrumental in developing their IPAs. Yeah. Like Nirvana IPA was yeah. kind of his baby and a lot of the like more modern brewing techniques that they developed at Oma Gang was was his brainchild. Nice. Um, Do you know how the two so of the them confluence, met? I would guess BCTC. Okay. <laughs> where okay. like all great yeah. relationships yeah, developed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, since since Jeff was at Ithaca, it wasn't too far. Right. So they probably had yeah. I don't know the, the two very creative people. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and we also the third arm of our the manager level, yeah. which is me, Mike and uh, Ken. Ken is our sales director mm-hmm. and he was he worked with Mike for a few years at Brewery Omegang. He was part of like Duval USA. Okay. Um, he was also at Oscar Blues for a while, and oh, he also okay. has experience in the distribution side. He yeah. worked at uh, with the Sheehan family for, okay. for a while at Union. So I feel like he has the easiest job on the sales side because <laughs> the juice is so good. And that you know? makes it easier, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes, if you make really good beer, it's that much easier to bring into a bar and say, you know, how many barrels do you want of this? Right, not do you want it, how much do you want it? Because <laughs> the buzz Absolutely. is huge around the, the beer culture in the Hudson Valley. Like, everybody knows who you guys are. What um, year did you guys open Industrial Arts? So we opened in August of 2016. Okay. I started here in March of 2016 after taking a few months um, spending some time down in Brazil and exploring the beer culture down there, which we can get into a little bit yeah, later. I have notes on that too. I'm excited. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's dive into her background sure. now so okay, we can so kind of... Okay, so you are Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up in Brazil or did you grow up in New York? I grew up in New York, New York City, um, mostly downtown, like Soho and Tribeca. I moved to America when I was three years old. Are you from Rio or no? Brasilia. Brasilia, okay. So here's what I know. Bom dia. Muito bom. That's it. Very good. Pretty much. Abrigado. Abrigado. That's about it. (laughs) Bom dia, abrigado. That's, that's, yeah. I spent some time in Portugal. I would say the only other thing you need to learn is yeah. uma cerveja, por favor. Um, uma cerveja, por favor. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Beer. There okay. we go. Got yeah. it. Because it sounds like, like I can order cerveza, beer so it... and uh, where's the bathroom? And that's all I need pretty yep. much to just get around Rio. I'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need. Go <laughs> try that out. See what happens. <laughs> you guys are <laughs> <ready to laughs> Take the plunge. <laughs> okay. So you grew up in New York. Yeah. I grew up in New York, um, but I visited Brazil pretty consistently while I was growing up. All my family is still down there. It was just me and my mom. And then my brother um, is... 14 years younger than me. Okay. And after college, I graduated college in 2009. It was with a liberal arts degree, art history degree more specifically. Um, Not the best time to get a job in (laughs) any kind of industry. (laughs) And at the same time, like Brazil was booming. Mm -hmm. Everybody was talking about Brazil and all of the opportunity there and how it had totally changed. turned around and just it was like the new land of opportunity 
So I was really excited about that. So I moved down to Brazil to work in the family business. And the family business is uh, farming, basically. Oh, we okay. have lots of farms, and we used to be involved in cattle, but more now it's um, cattle feed. So we're okay. doing soy and sorghum and oh, corn. Wow. So what was your job on the so farm? So I was trying to, like, wrangle all of these farmers <laughs> <laughs> in, like, a very, like, macho country as a 21-year-old woman who, like, hardly spoke the language. It did not go well. But was, that was good experience for you was. to come into the brewing industry, <laughs> which oh, is also a, a lot of... It's male dominated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. More hipster, but yeah. 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 Well, and at the time I was just like very insecure about any of my knowledge. And that's actually part of what led me to get uh, a brewing degree. Is, yeah, I, I think it probably did inform it because I remember I was, well, backtracking. I started home brewing in Brazil at, uh, shortly after I moved there because there just wasn't, there weren't any beer options. Like, did there you were grow few... up liking beer, or did you, like, in college, do you realize you like beer? When did that start, in the love college, of beer? In college, I started drinking some craft beer, but I was definitely, you like, You started uh, on craft. Like, you didn't start with, like, the Bud, the Natty Ice. I know, like, I started you... that in Okay, right. I was going to say, wow, that's impressive. No, no, no. <laughs> I already got that out right, of the way right. in high Been school. Been there, done that, gotcha. All right. <laughs> so by college, I was like, there's a whole world out there. Yeah. And, like, my mom also, like, I grew up... Um, my mom was a photographer in Soho. We had a loft, and she would throw, like, all of these dinner parties. Nice. And there would always be, like, a bunch of, like, artists and international people. Like, during Thanksgiving, you know, it was never a family affair. It was gotcha. always, like, all of the that immigrants from, from downtown New York that would always bring, like, lots of different things. Uh, so I grew up with a lot of different flavors. Wonderful. Um, I also decided to be a vegetarian when I was six years old. When you were six? Yeah. Okay. So Cattle I, fa- family farm business. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Perfect. Definitely like a little mini rebel. The grain um, goes this way, so feeds <laughs> going this way. Was your mom a vegetarian? No, okay. no, but she definitely encouraged it. She liked having like a little yeah. artsy rebel yeah. kid. Um, so, so I was always exposed to a bunch of different flavors and Uh stuff and like also growing up with a Brazilian background I already knew that there was a whole world of flavors Mm -hmm. outside of what everybody was consuming in the day-to-day so I think that definitely helped um open my mind to to Mm -hmm. a broader flavor palette but I really only started drinking craft beer yeah about when I was in college um you know, like uh, I, I was, was just going to say, what was crafty at the time? Like, what were you oh drinking? My God, there was this like honey brown ale that yeah. I just Ooh. thought was like the shit. I remember that. <laughs> Who yeah. makes I that? I can picture the bottle I and know. the honey it was like brown. A little, like yellow label. Yes. yes. Yes, yellow and red. Yeah, yes. I forget the brewery, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, that's so funny. And when I was in college, I I got my first fake ID <laughs> when I was in high school. Nice. I went to like a fancy like Quaker private school but down the street there was like the public school okay so like we knew the the guys to talk to to get our fake IDs down the street and they would like come and hang out outside of our our school at the end of the day so I had a fake ID not a lot of people that I went to college with had fake IDs so I would always be the one to go to the grocery store and pick out whatever the booze was for for the weekend. Lucky them. So you already had like good taste, so you picked out like some good stuff. So I was already thinking about yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I That's already had awesome. it on my mind. Um, so I moved down to Brazil after college, and I started home brewing. I would say about six months after I moved there. Mm-hmm. So it was early 2010. Mm-hmm. And what was the craft beer scene, if any, and what's going on there now? Is there something? Is there something percolating down there now? Absolutely. Or? I read Absolutely. there's like a big German influence. There is which... in the south of the country. Wow. Explain that to me. I don't. So, how well, did that happen? There, there's a big uh, German population in okay. Brazil. A lot of Eastern did you know Europeans, no, lots of Polish that. people. There are actually entire communities in the south of Brazil that have German as their first language. Are you serious? Like they're completely insular. The schools are all teaching in German. Wow. And, yeah. So this yeah. is like the Hasidic Jews in Williamsburg or Orange County, New York. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yes. Exactly. So <clears throat> there, 
like the south of Brazil is very white and blonde. Like if you go down there, it's, really? It's, yeah, and in the north, that's where you have like the more mixed okay. people. Um, but where I was, Brasilia is right in the middle of the country. Okay, Which is the and capital. yeah, and it's it's a planned city. It's only about it was it's only about uh, seventy years old now. That's it? Yeah. It was this vision wow. of the president. Anyway. <laughs> Very off topic. <laughs> um, it's a planned city right in the middle of the country. And it's kind of like the, the Jetsons. It's what people in the 50s and 60s thought that the future uh, was going to look okay. like. So it's kind of like a retro futuristic Got mix you. of. Sounds cool. Yeah. It's very unique. But there's. Lots of shortcomings also. I can see that um, too. <laughs> but anyway, so when I started homebrewing, there were no homebrew shops. There were no supplies available online. I was just like compulsively reading like homebrewtalk.com and trying to figure yeah. out like what, how to make beer and everything like that. But it's not like I could just like go and talk to anybody about right. it. So, so you're just like jerry-rigging this whole thing. Like, yeah, I, you, I went to like um, chemical supply companies and wow. bought their equipment and had like a welder friend put things together oh wow and it was like very improvised and (laughs) not how well did it work it worked enough to keep me interested gotcha and I also didn't know enough about good beer (laughs) to like be discouraged by it yeah yeah and so eventually I found what's your official role here here I don't even think we Discuss, we no, we're gonna get to it. At all. <laughs> we're gonna get to it. Okay. There's a method. Okay. <laughs> She's got a plan. So um, home brewing, you yeah. started your own club, right? So I started. I was one of the founders of the home, the first homebrew club in Brasilia, and it was very much like a mishmash of people who had lived abroad and mm-hmm. had been exposed to craft beer and had come back and were like, oh, I want to keep this going. Yeah. Wow. Um, really small. We were like seven people and we just had no idea what we were doing at all. <laughs> um, but we had enthusiasm. Yeah. So we would put on events and we would educate people and we would like read voraciously. And how cool you was that? So you were part of like the a, tipping point a, of craft yeah. beer cool in that? your home country. And that's like what was so exciting is that we felt like pioneers and we were creating that culture like what we would say would almost be gospel because there were only a few voices so we'd be like well this is what a berliner vice is and all of a sudden it would reverberate and like on blogs and posts and stuff it would be like well this is what a berliner vice is and it's like like, you're quoted like how amazing is (laughs) that it was crazy and it's like so empowering but also scary because we didn't really know what yeah. we were talking about. like. But neither did they, so it was fine. <laughs> you know, that's the fun of it. And it really feels like you have a hand in, like, shaping that culture. Absolutely. So now there's, like, microbreweries. Would you say there's, like, 300 or so I mm-hmm. read somewhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's insane. Wow. 300 microbreweries yeah. now in Brazil. Yeah. Especially, yeah, on a con- especially on a continent where wine is dominant. So it's almost like you're trying to reverse that culture or just introduce something new into the alcohol drinkers, you know, alcohol drinkers' um, mind. Because it's just so, so we talked to Sharif about this and trying to introduce um, craft beer into Uruguay. Mm. And it's, it's, it's hard because they're so used to wine with their meals and, you know. Yeah, Brazil, a big influence. it's a very diverse country. Like, it, in the north, what you have a lot is uh, people doing like micro batches of cachaça which is like the brazilian rum it's from sugarcane mm-hmm. oh wow um and that's what the majority of the people are drinking in the south you do have the wine okay where it's a little bit colder and you can actually grow the grapes down there mm. um the the north is very dry so you can't you can't grow a lot of mm-hmm. things down there and it's kind of up there and it's it's, it's restricted but at the end of the day, it's really hot in Brazil, so a lot of people really want to drink beer. And the beer drinking culture there is you want the lightest beer possible and you want the coldest beer possible. Okay. And so there isn't a lot of brand loyalty for the big producers. Mm-hmm. You just ask the bartender, what's the coldest one that you have? What's the and most what popular light beer in the whole north of the country? Um, portion. Would so it's, it's three big brands, Skull, Antarctica, and Brahma. 
but it's actually like a, a false choice because they're all owned by the same. Yeah, ABI. Oh, what a monopoly. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite of the three? Mm. None. <laughs> <laughs> Industrial arts, great. So are they all? Are they all like light? They just have different labels on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. What would yeah. you equate it to in uh, to the light beer, American beer? Of course, beer? light. <laughs> right. Probably. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like a Coors or a Miller even, or a They're light. even lighter than than American beers. Oh wow! Well, how yeah. is that possible? So yeah. they're drinking water. It's like it's a three point two. It's very hydrating. <laughs> That's insane. So I was also reading that um. Is AB like buying up microbreweries in Brazil? It is. It is. Which and is sad. No? Or <laughs> so after I left Broken Bow, I spent two months in Brazil um, going around the country. I went to eight different cities interviewing the people that were the pioneers of the craft beer scene in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And wow, cool. I went to about. 30 different breweries and talk to all of the founders there and to try to wow. like kind of like the the idea at the time was to write a book about it. Yeah. Did you video this? Has, Did you yes. record the Okay. Yes. I recorded it all and I have video of it. Um, I got it all transcribed wow. and wow. then I translated it all and now I'm condensing all of that information into like a book format and eventually that's I'll, really I'll put cool. Out a book about yeah, it. that's yeah. amazing. But at the same time, like it was right when I was starting here at Industrial Arts, and you had a few things on your plate. <laughs> yeah, and just, moving to a new a place bit. and getting a dog, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fell to the back burner for now, but it definitely is something that I do want to do because it's still a relevant story, even though I recorded the interviews two and a half years ago now, almost three. Um, it's still the story of the rise of craft beer in yeah. Brazil, and it's still the important players. Um, but, but going back to your point is, uh, in a country like Brazil, I don't think that it's necessarily bad that Anheuser-Busch or ABI has a hand in, in craft beer because it's such a big country. The cities are very spread out, mm-hmm. and... There isn't, we don't have any kind of like railways or anything, and okay. we don't have... Oh, really? Wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want to get product from anywhere, you, it needs to, it's on these like old rickety trucks with really bad roads, and oh, wow. you're pretty much stuck where you are in terms mm-hmm. of distribution. Okay. ABI has an incredible distribution system because they're they are putting beer in every single corner mm-hmm. of Brazil as much as they can. Um, and what, are they still... flying it into like dirt airstrips? Like what are they doing? No, they're using they're using trucks, but they have like their have distribution better... network okay. that a small producer would never right. be mm-hmm. able to get to. Like we have the three tier system here, which definitely mm-hmm. has its problems, and we at Industrial Arts are trying to manage and grow mm-hmm. as much as we can outside of the three-tier system. But in Brazil, you don't have that, and you also, I can also see the limitations yeah. of okay. what not having that distribution, okay. uh, how it can affect the small producers. So Interesting. if ABI has a company like Colorado, which was in the 90s, um, it was the first really big brewery or it was the first microbrewery that was available Mm -hmm. in Brazil and honestly like they went broke because they were trying to get their beer out there as much as possible but Brazil doesn't have the infrastructure for it gotcha they got bought out by ABI and it's managed to get Brazilian craft beer into hands of people that would never have gotten access to it otherwise so I think that and craft beer drinkers aren't loyal. Like, once you taste Very your true. first craft beer, you're like, oh, this is great. What else? You know, That's like, true. The amount of people that <laughs> that try a beer like Wrench or something yeah. that, that come into the tasting room, they're like, oh, my God, this is the best beer I've ever had. What else do you have? What else do you have? Like, I, yeah. I don't understand that question. Well, I, I'm more of like, I will just keep drinking that. But I think stops. we can blame that also on these <laughs> rotating bars because that's their whole thing. Like in the beginning, 
selling beer was very hard because these rotating bars wanted to do that. Like once a keg goes off, want to put something else on. And customers weren't used to that. Mm -hmm. And they would come in and say, oh, I was here last month. I had this beer. And they would get laughed at. Like, oh, we don't have that again. So they've been fighting really hard to get people used to the rotating. So now that's what people are used to. They know that I like this beer. Maybe I can find it. Maybe I can't. I can go on Beer Advocate. Like all these networks now, like where is the beer? So people are just used to doing that now. So it's, I don't know. Yeah, they're just used to not being loyal. We've yeah. trained people not to be loyal. We almost created <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. All right, because when I read that about um, InBev, my first reaction was, oh, that's horrible. But now that I listen to your explanation, that makes a lot of sense. And, well, that's good. Like you said, yeah, it's it getting in the hands of people that in, would never have had it. So, culture. All right, that makes sense. I won't have negative thoughts about them then. <laughs> I was well, the, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I was on this the, topic. <laughs> I was in the city uh, working um, a training yesterday for my job, and Dana was running around doing errands. She has... Thursdays, Fridays off. So she was like, hey, do you need anything? And I said, can you go by the NOG, the beer NOG in Bronxville, and can you pick up something for tonight? Because uh, I was kind of had a hankering. He for said juice, day. but like with a bunch of juice. <laughs> yeah. like, so Got it. She was like, oh, I got stuff. And I, got, I came home, and I'm not like poo-pooing you or anything like that, oh, but I came home and I opened go. the fridge, and I didn't see any industrial arts, and I kind of got sad. <laughs> and I don't think they had any in the fridge. All right. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. But, but if they did, if they did, I'll sold out, honestly. If they did and you didn't bring it home, that, no. I, that would be an issue. No. I'm just saying. Um, no, there wasn't. I'm going, there wasn't. No. <laughs> or a single cut. There are certain, certain things you guys wanted them, like the top ones, like industrial art, single cut, barrier. There's some that I always look at. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there Other was none. <laughs> they yeah. sold out. All right, quick question. I know we're spending a lot of time in Brazil. Um, but I looked at all these local ingredients, and I didn't know what any of them were. Oh. Um, can you just hit, like, the, the most can popular I just say local that, ingredients? Um, there is a lovely, like, <laughs> full-color... <laughs> I talk about this all the time. Nicely spaced. Let her do it. Yeah. It's highlighted. Highlighted. Perfectly highlighted in the lines with a um, full-color picture of... What is that? Uh, cassava? Brazil nuts. Nice. Yeah, that's something that that makes Brazilian beer really unique. Oh my God. I come prepared. Yeah. That's what you say. He makes fun of me all this the time. This is the daughter of a lawyer <laughs> and a pastor. And if they're not around. doing research throughout the whole around, week, Sophia. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the pastor is doing research on his next sermon. Right. And the lawyer is doing, God knows, research on everybody. So it's like... Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Never, These you never are the, turn this, it off. This is Your normal brain is for always our like podcast. working yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But like, I feel like you don't want to show up and talk to somebody and not know anything about I feel like that would be an insult to you if I came and was like, so, tell is me about you. Is that a microscope? Like, like, what is she looking for? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. All right, anyway. Um, yeah, I'm doing a cell count. Just like the <laughs> like your favorite local ingredients that when you were doing like your home brew club, like what were your favorite go-tos of things local oh, to Brazil? Question. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm so impressed. Um, I had some pretty bad experiences using Brazilian Perfect. fruit. <laughs> let's talk about those. That's what we wanted to. Oh, about. you know what? And let's crack another beer while we're yeah, talking about this. Yeah, I was that. gonna say that was the perfect segue into cracking open like a juicy beer. Is yes. Your your desire for yes. for a juicy beer. Yes. There you go. So our next beer that we're going to have on this episode is one of my favorites, uh, and I think it's the favorite of a lot of people who have ever visited this brewery, uh, who have ever had the chance to purchase any industrial arts beers from any type of uh, distributor location uh, or taste it you know, out of the barrel uh, at a restaurant or a bar. Um, it is Wrench. And if you could just describe Wrench for us, because I feel... Especially because people get confused. Like, what does New England IPA mean? So if you could just explain that to people listening so they can finally get it. <laughs> sure, that big let me give the authoritative <laughs> definition. <Yes. laughs> um, so Wrench is our foray into New England IPA. We actually call it a Northeast IPA because we're okay. not technically in New England, and we nice. kind of wanted to make it our own. I'm going to start saying that now, now that I know. Yes. We have gotten shit for it. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> people, right. people on like Beer Advocate are like, it's not a Northeast IPA, it's a New England IPA. Like, like you guys it's what even we say that? it is. It's yeah. our beer. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm going to start correcting people with the beer <laughs> noggin now. Be like, you are wrong, sir. That is a Northeast IPA. And we're going to quote you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's so delicious. Um, so Wrench was was our foray into the NEIPA style, <laughs> and it is very hazy in color, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because when I was in brewing school in Brazil, like so much of the program was how to make beer as clear as possible. Like, really, the, one of yeah, because it ensures shelf stability. Like okay, when yeah. you're focusing on making lager beers especially mm-hmm. like you want all of the sediment to drop out so so much of our education was figuring out how to make non-hazy beer yeah. and all of a sudden I've had to kind of like shift all of my thinking about it into how <laughs> Your to brain's like, like what's going on <laughs> make that haze and make it stay as yeah. much as possible um, so it is a lot of the, the way that we dry hop the beer contributes to the haze um, let's backtrack. A bit. <laughs> so, with with the hops, you're gonna get the bitterness and mm-hmm. the aroma. Mm-hmm. And depending on when you hop the beer, you're going to get more or less bitterness and more or less aroma. We do a lot of late edition hopping. We do still do hot side hopping mm-hmm. so that there is a little bit of like a a bitterness yeah. right at the end to kind of balance yeah. it out. Otherwise, it's like... I've had some NEIPAs that... It lit- like, it feels like you're you're drinking, like, a children's drink. Yeah. It's, like, very yeah. sweet, and it's very juicy, and it's very, like, creamy and milky. Yeah. And I understand how it appeals. Like, a lot of the descriptors are also, like, very candy-based. Right, So right. it kind of appeals to that, like, nostalgic, yeah. like... Oh, when I was a kid, and like my mom would make me breakfast every right. day, and like we had. That's like, not what I want in my beer, though. No, right? Yeah, and a lot of times you get like that great, like piney, um, hop forward taste, and it dissipates super quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that this lingers, like mm-hmm. that your last taste, like oh, I still taste it. Yeah, that's great because when it dissipates, I just keep drinking of them. I'm also pissed off. Like you love it up front, then it's like, like damn it, I have to keep sipping. This is making me mad. <laughs> <laughs> this Before one lingers. You know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even happy about being drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, this definitely, to me, feels like a grown-up version of mm-hmm. beer. That I think, like, we've almost infantilized beer to a certain extent with this extreme late addition and dry hopping. Yeah. Fruitiness. Yeah. And the, the yeast that we use, um, it doesn't... Flocculation is basically like how much the yeast drops out. It okay. doesn't flocculate as much. Okay. So the yeast kind of binds onto the hop molecules and it keeps it all in suspension. And that's how you retain that haze. And that's also how you're retaining all of that flavor and nice. that aroma. And that it's really like sticking with you. Yes. And there's almost like, there's almost like a stickiness to it. Yes. It's like... I can still feel it in right. my mouth, even though I, I right. took a sip ten yeah. seconds ago, which I which really we appreciate. Want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I appreciate yeah. it. Like that. makes a lasting impression. Yes. <laughs> so would you say this is your flagship? Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny tasting Tools of the Trade and Wrench together because Tools of the Trade was absolutely intended to be our flagship. It was the vision for the company and yeah. the brew house and. Uh, what we wanted to make and distribute and get out to people as much as possible. That was when Jeff wrote the business plan. And then when we actually opened, about six months after we opened, we started making wrench and it just... It couldn't stay on shelves. No. Like, it was just so ridiculous. It took off right away. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's created this, like, fever pitch in the Hudson Valley. And, and I, I got to say, probably past that. I don't know how far you guys are distributing this. But um, it's all I hear people talking about when they're talking about IPAs. Yeah. Um, so when, when that happened, what was his reaction? <laughs> well, I make a lot of fun of Jeff. <laughs> for being Go a girl so now dad. You're doing that. <laughs> 
<laughs> now you're doing it publicly for all of our listen- I'm listeners sure you won't to hear. Be surprised. Yeah. No, no, it's part of our it's part of our dynamic. <laughs> the grumpy dad and like the sassy millennial. Um, he was very resistant to it at first. Like he hated that this is where the market was going because he had worked so hard to create uh, his own vision of what an IPA was. But at the same time, I really feel like between him and Mike, we really made our own version of this style. So it doesn't seem like just copying. Like it really, there is something unique to it that I think the market also appreciates. And the fact that it's more widely available. We're not working on that scarcity scarcity model. Like you guys saw the brewery, it's big. We're not like a little... We're not a little tiny, precious no. brew house churning out like, like precious no. liquid. Yeah. No, we yeah. want to make something like we have our own canning line. Yeah. We're canning 540 cases a day, four days a week. Like that's insane. We're putting out a ton of beer. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, we're gonna hit so we 10,000 barrels. We're probably gonna hit 10,000 barrels this year. We're working towards. That's it. crazy. With one sales guy. That's, yeah. That's amazing. And he's the most successful sales guy in all of craft beer history. Um, before we sat down to record, and thank you for having us again, because we, you opened the doors early. We came in. You gave us a tour of the, the back end of the facility. This is one of the most unique uh, yeah. craft beer facilities I've ever been to. Absolutely. Um, and we just we want to thank you again for having us here. It's It's been tremendous. Uh we saw the canning operation. Uh, we saw where you store all these cans, and you said a couple of weeks ago you had how many total cans on premise? Uh, what was it? What was the number? I'm not sure I want to go on record with that. Okay. Number. <laughs> well, um, it, no was, worries, it was it was, it was an insane lot. amount. <laughs> yes. We got to see the kind of the scale of the operation. Sorry for bringing that up. It's <laughs> um, but it is tremendous. And to to see what you guys are doing in renovations of building a new loading dock and, and, and getting prepared for what the future is for this brewery. Um, can you kind of walk us through kind of where you guys want to go, where you want to be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So just last week, we actually signed the lease on a second facility. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So we're going to be opening up, and honestly, this is pretty much all because of Wrench, because it's just been such a runaway success, um, that we can't make enough of it, despite our size, we can't make enough of it on on our current brew house. So we are going to be occupying uh, 50,000 square feet of a new facility in Beacon. I love Beacon. It's so cute. Okay, where in Beacon? There's like so much potential in Beacon. Is it going to be like this, like you can come in, sit down, drink, or just like a Yeah, so we're going to start off with a a public-facing space. Um, The brewery actually isn't going to go online probably until 2020. Okay. But we're going to, we're hoping to open up a, a retail space in spring of 2019. Nice. And... We're gonna be bringing. We're gonna still be brewing the beer, the beer here, but we're gonna be um, bringing it over there okay. and doing events and releases and That's stuff awesome. like that. And yeah, Beacon is like a really great town. There's, I don't know that much of it yet. Mm-hmm. Like I just moved up to the Hudson Valley for this job. Like even when I was okay. at Broken Bow, I was really? still living in the city. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So I live in Nyack now, and I love it there. Yeah. But there's definitely is like a lot of energy and excitement in Beacon, and the it's fact nice. that like you can yeah. take a train up there from the city is very different than here, where we're we're a little bit isolated. Yeah. Definitely is hard to find. Yes. It's hard to get to. You come into this complex that's like a pre-Civil War factory, all like these old brick buildings, yeah. and which is super cool though. It's very cool. But you just, like, don't really know where you're going yeah, and you're yeah. a little bit unsure. And yeah. it's kind of exciting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Beacon is going to be more, like, visitor-friendly mm-hmm. and more accessible and family-oriented and stuff like that. Um, and we're going to have, like, a really nice outdoor space, which is something that we can't do over here. So okay. we're going to be putting out a press release about that in the next few weeks. I feel like this is breaking news. Like, we're, like... <laughs> 
Bum, bum. Yeah, that's exciting. Thank you for telling us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you'll be hearing more about it. That's pretty but much But be your first only breaking right? news. Oh, shit. Um, Industrial oh, arts. Shit. So will it be, you said, more family friendly. So will it be food there? Like snacks, like pretzels, like little things like that. We're going to. Or you'll have food trucks maybe pair with you outside. Nice. Yeah, we're going to be working more with food trucks, which is something that we've struggled with a little bit here. Um, well, we were, were here for here? we were here. They were right across the street. Right okay. Here. Well, mm-hmm. it's alleyway. I don't right, know it's an alleyway. That's, that's, but um, we were here for an industry night. So I was lucky enough to get an invite from Brendan and Doug at Beer Noggin and Brian of um, Brewski's Pub on East Tremont in the Bronx. Uh, they they had excluded me from uh, Boys Club. This is like the official Boys Club thing. I was there was a song. Involved. I was invited I at know. first, and then they invited Jim. He goes, "Oh, we've decided it's a boy thing." I, I, did you just uninvite me? I got uninvited. Yeah, Dana got the shaft on that one. Um, so <laughs> I get a text, and they said, uh, "Would you like to come to an industry night with mm-hmm. us?" And I I almost lost my mind. I was like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> And then they told me where it was, and then I really fucking lost my mind because I was like, we're going to industrial arts. They're like, yeah, boys club. And I'm just like, uh, I got to call my wife. I call her. And like, uninvite hey. her. I'm like, hey, uh, it's kind of a guy's thing. So and she's like, so I'm not coming? And I'm like, um, yeah, it's this whole thing. They call it boys club. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so like, we get them. in the car, and they start playing the song. I forget the band, but it's like, boys club. And like... <laughs> And they're like all bobbing their heads, and I'm, I'm videotaping it from the Lena front just seat. Spin her beer out a little. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, she snorted a little bit. But I'm like, I'm, I'm videotaping Brian. Brian like puts his head in the frame from the back seat. And I'm cracking up the entire time. So we get up here, and I got to meet Chief. And I got to meet uh, the gentleman who owns Seagull Hops Ranch, and like all like all these people that are. Uh, our friends from Kuka Beer were here. Yeah, Andrea. It, it was like Alex. it was really, really cool. And then I got to see this awesome facility, and the brewing equipment was the most impressive to me out of any local Hudson Valley brewery that I've been to, or any of the breweries in Queens or Brooklyn, uh, just because of the massive size of it and scale, and the fact that it's from Germany. Mm-hmm. It was really impressive to me. And then so. you found out today yeah. this wasn't even it. We saw the rest of it today. Yeah. So this okay. Yeah. yeah. So my we have pictures yeah. will post on our Instagram page. Yeah, we're gonna post it's pictures uh, of our tour uh, today. Okay, um, I know this is going long. Can I quickly? Can you give us one story of how your brewing went bad with local Brazilian <laughs> ingredients? Because I feel like that was gonna be something funny, <laughs> unless you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> so I made. I made. A wit beer. Mm-hmm. When I was in Brazil with my like janky ass equipment, <laughs> and it came out uh, like the there wasn't any kind of temperature control or anything, Ooh, so it didn't come out. It was like a little too hot. Okay. It was a little too phenolic, estery. Like the flavors were a little bit too much. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw some fruit in there. Okay. And it was like the beginning of this this scene of people putting. Brazilian fruit in beer because I didn't really get into it, but hops are really expensive because oh. everything has to be imported. Okay. And they get held up in customs for three months, so by oh. the time it gets there, it's right. not the best quality. So, like, and at the same time, like, people, like, American hop producers are trying to recreate basically the flavors and aromas that you get naturally in Brazilian right. fruits, like right. mango, passion right. fruit, guava. Yeah. And it, like, drives me crazy because... I feel like so many people who use those descriptors have never actually even had those fruits. <laughs> and I'm like, you like don't that's not what that tastes like. Because it's not it's not translating to the taste of the beer. Like if you taste something that, that is descriptive of those fruits, you're like, no. Yeah. This yeah. doesn't have mango in it. Yeah. So what Brazilian fruits did you put in this so beer? <laughs> I put this Brazilian fruit called kaki. What is that? And it looks it's most similar, I would say, to a Persimmon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like kind of like a tomato, but it was really astringent. Mm-hmm. And I got them like when they were a little underripe. So there was like a, there was, it's the same as with like cashew fruit. Uh, like um, it's, it, it dries out your mouth, dries out your mouth. Yeah. Um, and so I put it in the whip beer 
and it was just such a disaster. It took like an entire day of me like mashing up forty pounds of this kaki forty fruit. pounds. Oh my yeah. god! And like boiling it in like a five five liter pan. It just, it was the entire day, and I stuffed them into the bottle, didn't use any kind of, like, proper straining technique, and then I put them in my bathroom. My cousin, my baby cousin came over and just, like, knocked all of the bottles over, and they exploded all over him. It was just, like, it was you so many levels of disaster. So the beer came out bad. It was a bad fruit addition. And then the bottles exploded, which is probably for the best because the beer was terrible anyway. But you learn from all of that. You grow from all of that. <laughs> yes. That's so hilarious. Nice um, I don't even think I said there was a method, and I didn't even say your title. So tell us your title here. Who are you at Industrial <laughs> Arts? Got so busy with all the great stories. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm the general manager here. Um, I was the second employee. I got hired right after Mike McManus, our brewmaster. Um, I started about six months before we opened, and in the beginning, honestly, like, I did everything, every single thing. It was, like, Jeff and I working all day on the planning and production Mm -hmm. and business side of things, doing all of the invoicing Mm -hmm. and purchasing and stuff like that, and then also, at the end of the day, just, like, coming and bartending. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because it was just me and him for six months. Um... That's for all the people now? that think, oh, it's so easy. Let's open. <laughs> Listen to what she's saying. Yeah, how cool, It's a lot of cool, work. How cool was it to be at the precipice of this whole, like, you were at the beginning of mm. something that's turned into what it and is And one of the now. few women in beer, which is, yes. I always get excited when I absolutely. see that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that's absolutely what kept me going, is yeah. that, like, excitement. It was pure adrenaline and excitement yeah. of feeling like I was... In, in, that I was creating something that was going to have like a lasting legacy yeah. in the same way yeah. that being in the craft beer scene in Brazil got me excited. Yeah. Um, You're a legacy now... in two different countries. Holy shit, Sophia. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh my God, that Seriously. just hit me. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's no, that, true. It's, it's, it's inspiring. Seriously. So it, as you're thinking about putting this book together, don't stop. Like, get it yeah. done. Make it Absolutely. Happen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh my God. And then we'll make it into a movie, and it'll get an Oscar. Oh, my God. I see the future of this. This is amazing. Uh, Okay, so um, is there anything you want to push here? Any events going on, or just want to give, like, your hours? Or, like, yeah, what's up? We want people to know about. Promote, promote, promote. In May of 2019, mark your calendars. Uh, May 18th and 19th, we're going to be putting on a super badass beer festival. We got a grant for $120,000 from New York State to put on this festival. It's an immersive beer and arts festival. We're going to be taking over the whole complex. It's 14 acres. Oh my God, I'm excited. (laughs) And we're just, we're going to have about 40 to 50 breweries spread out all around the complex. Okay. So this is Greg Muller's birthday present. We're going to bring him here. There are going to be um, like pop-up art performances and mural paintings and collaboration brews going on. Bands. Some music, yes. Mm -hmm. Food. And just tons of food trucks. I'm so excited. We're going to have everything and it's going to be two days long. It's going to be a whole weekend of fun. And what's the name of it? Lab Fest. So Lab stands for Live Art and Beer. Love it. So So we will put this on our calendar. We yes. will be here. And on our, and our Instagram, and we will tell everybody we to come. We will not be driving. Are going to be our special Oh, guests. we will not we're be gonna driving. Take, <laughs> we're we're actually probably, because May 18th is my best friend's birthday. Okay. So I'm thinking about bringing him and his wife, Greg and Meg, to this thing, and we'll yeah. take a limo. Happy birthday. We're doing a limo, <laughs> limo Muller. We're doing nice. a limo. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Uh, anything else? Because no. that's huge. That's I, that, yeah, drop any, the mic after that. Any exactly. collabos coming up? Anything? Um. We are going to be dropping a Japanese rice lager what? that Mike brewed with his old buddies at Omegang. I'm in. In the next few weeks, we have Torque Ranch, and we also have our Landscape Series, which is our all-New York State beer series okay. that we also have. like It's part of our philanthropic arm where we donate 10% of the proceeds to an environmental agency in the Hudson Valley. That's awesome. You guys also participate yeah. in People Power Beer, right? Yes. And that's also 10% goes to the ACLU. Oh, There's wow. like a list of other uh, breweries oh, yeah. that do that, but that's 
That's awesome. And ever since I did that interview in Hop Culture, I get like so much mail from ACLU now. It's just nonstop. So do I. But, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. We were super happy to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for doing things like that. It's giving back is huge. So many people open a place and they do so well and they don't give back. So mm-hmm. thank you for like still being like down with the people <laughs> and still giving back that's amazing well we're lucky enough that we make beers like wrench that sell super well so that we can right you can do it yeah, do the yeah. more yeah. like ambitious projects of yeah of donating and using all new york state grain and hops that's and- amazing Okay, wow. on that note. Okay, um, so there's air pumping out of the brewing equipment. <laughs> Thank you again for sitting down with us and taking the time. This has been so much fun. It's been so, so appreciated. Good. We greatly appreciate you sharing the information about this wonderful facility, information about you, your upbringing, um, uh, you introducing craft beer to your home country. Uh, Sophie is the truth. So I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a shirt that says that. <laughs> So, if you guys are thirsty for some awesome beer, you definitely need to visit Industrial Arts Brewing Company. It is located in Garnerville, New York, on West Railroad Avenue, and it is in a, in a pre-Civil War industrial facility where they actually used to manufacture Civil War uniforms, which was That's something crazy. we learned today, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, to listen to the But First Beer podcast... You're listening to it now. If you are thirsty for more. <laughs> you can find us on uh, iTunes podcast. It's on your podcast app on your iPhone. If you are one of those Android people, you can listen to us on Google Play or any of the podcast apps that are out there like Spreaker, Breaker, and... Anchor. Anchor, which is Stitcher. the app. Anchor is the app we record on, and we are eternally grateful for the Anchor people for putting this together because we record it on my iPhone and we could high be tech here people high tech oh yeah we got high tech <laughs> microphones just one microphone anyway we you will be hearing from us very soon <laughs> all right let's go thank you guys for listening bye, bye. thank you <laughs>